This is Simeon the Wookiee welcoming you to the Bizzlecast. So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The Force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make 10 men feel like a hundred we'll take the next chance and the next time you're rebels on you Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome back for another Star Wars podcast with my boy and Wookiee lover, Simi Klimo. So before we get started, Simi, welcome back. Dude, thanks for having me. I am I'm psyched for the weekend. Yes, so psyched. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the celebration news, TV and movie announcements. Uh, this won't be a super long one, so we're going to basically uh, cover a lot of topics, but in a short amount of time. Also, BizzleCast listeners, uh, thank you so much for supporting the recent podcast. My commentaries with, with Jedi Geek Girl and Simi are doing excellently, and the one I did with the legendary Paul Herman the other day is hilarious great and doing extremely well and that actually i I did uh, a new rogue one a partial rogue one intro to that i was like you know what i'm gonna go all the way so i hope this is the very first episode where i have the new rogue one intro so i hope you guys enjoyed that because you know it's my favorite movie um speaking of which man we have the second star wars story coming up this is going to come out the day before the premiere so this will be wednesday the premiere is thursday and then it opens widely on friday uh two-part question when are you seeing it and since the last time we talked a couple weeks ago uh, have your expectation excitement gone up down in the middle something else uh, I think uh, my expectations have really gone up. Thanks for having me, by the way, Jesse. This yeah. is awesome that we're able to do this again. And there's just yes. uh, there's so much happening. And it's just, um, you know, it's definitely not overload by any means. Uh, it's just uh, a lot of fun things coming out at once. And I think it's obviously planned, a lot of these announcements. But, um, you know, part of it is making me realize, like, oh, my God, there's another movie right now uh already you know and uh i'm still absorbing jedi you know i'm still watching that over and over again and all of a sudden you know here comes solo so i'm, I'm pretty psyched well, this will be a great tie-in and then we'll move on to some other topics i'm also super stoked the fact it's getting around a 70 75 percent on rotten tomatoes is both expected and i don't care and <laughs> they've literally been calling this a fun summer Star Wars movie two y- since like two years ago, since before Ron Howard was even on the project. And, you know, it's so if people go in expecting a fun Star Wars summer movie like I am and I think you are, we're going to have a blast. And if you're expecting, you know, The Empire Strikes Back, then you might be disappointed. But, you know, that's just a personal thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all going to fall into play. It's hard to, you know, everybody has these arguments about the LeBron and, uh, and, and Michael Jordan and who's better. And, like, it's fun for, for TV and all those things. But it's also in a, in a moment versus, you know, back 
three years later and how yep. everything kind of falls into place or five years down the road. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're building a franchise and the franchise being contributed to our thoughts and feelings at so many different levels and in so many different mediums, you know, with all these, uh, these new announcements. And again, it's not, it's not some random like coincidence <laughs> that, you know, they're announcing all these things at the same time with, with the solo, with solo coming out this weekend. So, you know, that's how dynasties are built. That's how franchises are built. And, you know, as always, I'm always super excited for more and more and more. And as yet, my only fear has been that they're going to water it down at some level. And, you know, maybe there's too many toys, but I could never have enough toys. But other than that, you know, like they're they're doing it well. They're doing it real well. Yep. Can I I point out the obvious, what I think is the obvious? Mm Mm-hmm. Han Solo, while he becomes a fully three-dimensional character pretty early on in Empire Strikes Back, is a pulpy character, even for Star Wars. And so, again, this is the nostalgia thing. We love Han Solo because he's like Indiana Jones mixed with Flash Gordon, mixed with, you know, other rogues in film history. And so to have this re-envisioning that he's somehow like, you know, Luke or Emperor Palpatine level complicated is both absurd and we wouldn't like him if he were like that because it wouldn't ring true, I think. And I think that's why uh, some of the other surrounding characters are going to be mm-hmm. uh, really interesting. I, you know, there was you, you mentioned, and then I was looking for it. Uh, you know, Chewie's wife or Chewie, some relationship that Chewie might have had. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, let, let's be honest. Lando seems a little bit more compre- complex, and by complex, I mean he seems to be more of the scoundrel than Han ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he could be the more fun character and easily acting wise steal the show and that can be fine too you know like it can still be han and it can be still be solo but you know i'm expecting a lot of lando in this and uh hopefully you know chewie's always been my you know my faithful sidekick in my mind or i see myself as him uh depending on what fantasy i'm playing out in my head but so you know seeing more about his story because he's been consistent through all the all the movies so, you know, there's always been a trace of Wookiee here or there. Uh, so it's going to be great to hear more about him. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And uh, I think I have the, you know, high, low, medium expectations. I think I have the right amount of expectations for this film. So my last point on this is that for all of the early social media reactions to people who are at the premiere and then the reviews are starting to come out, the vast majority, like the vast majority have said, Either Alden Ehrenreich is excellent or at least really good or, 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 or decent. Even the reviews that didn't love the movie. It, like, let me put it this way. For people who didn't love the movie, it doesn't sound like Ehrenreich's Han Solo is the problem. And even though people love Donald Glover and they're going to love Lando, people have been accentuating Ehrenreich even more than Lando. I think partially that's because people expected Lando to be awesome. And so the headlines have been generally like very positive towards Ehrenreich. I'm not saying it's going to work for me or you, but I haven't seen a lot of headlines along the lines of this movie is great, but held back by Ehrenreich or this movie is terrible because of Ehrenreich. I just haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm, I, as always, I'm trying to not read because I am very impressionable. I like going in. But you must be happy to hear that. Like, I'm not giving you anything away in the reviews, yeah, but no, just the headlines. I, I, I've heard it. I've heard it. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem like he's a great actor and he might ruin it. I, I heard that part, you know, and, um, you know, I think that is also has to do, you know, all disappointment has to do with expectations. But 
again, we might know the character a little bit deeper to understand where he was in life, you know, like how, how he can't be as complex emotionally or mature as he was in uh, a new hope morphing into empire and then ultimately becoming, you know, this very solid, solid figure throughout still a little bit of a scoundrel, but solid, solid figure. And yeah, Ultimately, all, everything that he's doing up until then, he was probably making a lot of mistakes and yeah. doing a lot of two-dimensional di- two things. Uh, probably, uh, you know, doing some shit that he probably regrets now, but happy he experienced. Just like everybody, if you wanted to talk to me about what I was doing, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I was living in Las Vegas selling energy drinks. Like, wow, I have some stories. So, and some are cool and some are regretful, but ultimately, like, I didn't make some great decisions. And so maybe that's what it was. Maybe people wanted something more. I'm sure there's a fair amount of womanizing. I'm sure there's a fair amount of double crossing. And, uh, you know, but I, I'm expecting to be entertained. I mean, looks to me, we, we, our, our uh, new hope podcast. Uh, or commentary, which was great, but you know, we sort of made the decision to talk like big picture stuff and funny stuff, and so we didn't actually go deep on the characters, just because the characters aren't deep until Empire Strikes Back. And you know how we talk about Rogue One not only leads amazingly into New Hope, but pairs great with it the way Empire and Return of the Jedi pair. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's be honest. I think the jump in maturity of the character of Han Solo between the movie we're about to see and New Hope is actually going to be less of a jump than the Han Solo from A New Hope to Empire because of Leia and because of his involvement in the Rebellion. So I think it's actually going to be smoother than most people think. Like, I think that even though it's a few years before, I think the Han Solo at the end of Solo, a Star Wars story, isn't going to be that far off maturity-wise from the Harrison Ford in A New Hope, and the big jump is is an empire. It's just my personal opinion. Right, and I think there'll be some, uh, you know, probably a big jump between the start of the movie and the end of the movie as well. Uh, but absolutely, just timeline-wise, that makes a ton of sense that it will, will kind of end up like that as well. I guess what I'm saying is, Solo being your favorite character, it, I, if, if, if Han Solo in the original trilogy was just the Han Solo from A New Hope and not the Han Solo from Empire and Return of the Jedi, I'm not sure he would still be your favorite character because that's an amazing arc. Well, it's actually funny. Like As a, as a kid, it's like uh, you're always attracted to the bad kid gone good-ish, but still bad. So that's the question. It's like, Where's the moral compass and in, in the how much of the moral compass is it really playing out to your your thought process of, of embracing this hero? But just the way I always talk about people have this misperceived nostalgia that somehow Luke and Vader were super dimensional with each other in Empire, but it doesn't actually happen until Return of the Jedi. Right, right. The, our association in love of Han as a scoundrel is completely sold in A New Hope, where only when Luke promises him money, when he says she's rich, and that's, you know, he only does it for that initially, informs him being a scoundrel later. But in Empire, and starting with him saving Princess Leia and going to Lando and so forth, through the end of Return of the Jedi, he's not a scoundrel, but from A New Hope, it informs it and makes him cooler, more interesting, and more fun, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's what it is. And also, like, just like any scoundrelly hero they have that turning point where a good woman makes them you know makes them whole and then like maybe maybe they can be forgiven for some of the things they've done wrong and maybe they can start to do right and and things like that so uh no i think the storyline's gonna be great 
uh, I, I'm really excited for all the special effects because I like how they haven't been overdone at all with all the technology at their at their fingertips with all the CGI that they could be doing. I don't think they've glorified uh, anything to make it feel uh, unreal or anything. And and again, still like a seventies you know, late 70s, early 80s movie and keeping it with that with that genre. I will warn the audience. Um, and again, I'm not giving away any even potential spoilers I've read in a couple reviews. The big time special effects, while I've heard it's thrilling, I think the level of them is going to be the lowest of the four movies. But that's only because they had to reshoot the entire fucking movie. And spend an insane amount of money. So, you know me, man. Like... I just saw CGI Tarkin on my screen, and after New Hope, basically it looks the same to me. Um, but like, even if it didn't, you know, I always talk about Matrix Reloaded. I love it, even though it's blatantly CGI. So I might not be the best authority, but I urge people out there to focus on the fun and the dialogue and the characters and the adventure and the writing and the shooting, and not get hung up and be like, "Oh, that one stormtrooper there looks CGI or whatever." That that would be my main advice to people. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's great, great advice. Going through this with the right expectation, and that some are going to be higher content, and some are going to be fun. And I'm not saying which one this is going to be, but if that was that, then I'd be fine with it. I mean, I'm always wanting more. Uh, you know, I even at some level, I I don't know which one of us doesn't like one, two, and three more. But I sometimes think I, I, there's some, there's part of me that really has nostalgia for them too. So. And I'll put them on once in a while. I just usually can't stay up as long. I fall asleep quicker. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely revisit this after the movie. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure you and I will be exchanging tons of text messages throughout the weekend. When are you seeing it? Right. Uh, you, I didn't answer the other question. We already just got off on a whim. Uh, I'm going Sunday. So we are going to the Alamo Theater in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm really excited to be drinking beer while watching this movie oh, at awesome. seven, uh, 7 o'clock, I think. So do you think we could get you next week at some point on the Bizzlecast to talk about it, even if it's just a quick non-spoiler review? Oh, yeah. I would totally do the whole... I would do, like, an absolute, like, regular one. I think I'd be ready for, like, a reaction or a minimal one, and we can get into some other things. Uh, But absolutely. Yeah, I actually was even thinking... I kind of forgot that uh, Sunday night was Memorial Day, so I'm not working on Monday. So I was almost going to say maybe we'll do a reaction right after, but that might be a little that might be a little much. But let's you know we'll talk later. Yeah. Look, I'm literally not going to say anything. Cause I'm seeing a Thursday and Saturday both on 2D IMAX. Yes, but um, I won't say anything to you. I'm not even going to say whether I liked it because. There's no way I'm not going to like this movie. I mean, it's between it being a seven and a half and an eight or, or an eight and a half or nine. Like, I, I already know that's the case. Like, this isn't a Rogue One situation where I had no idea what to think and I gave it an A after my first viewing and an A plus after or Force Awakens, which I didn't love at first, which I've come to love more and Last Jedi, which has actually gone down for me a bit. Um, this will be a good transition, Simmy, because you've gotten The Last Jedi and been watching it a bunch. I, I want to just point out something very quick that just is happenstance on the Bizzlecast related to this and throw it to you for a quick update on your thoughts of the movie. But my early guests um, were Jedi Geek Girl, who loves everyone, everything Star Wars. My two Australian uh, contributors who aren't big Star Wars fans, but really like Last Jedi. But then I had Tim from The Saga Continues and you 
and then Paul from um, a bunch of Star Wars and Marvel podcasts the other day, all who have varying levels of problems. So it's been an interesting journey where I've been forced to or encouraged in my own mind to find a lot of flaws in the movie. I still love it and like it a lot. Um, really quickly, and then guys, we're going to get into some news because there's been so many uh, announcements, and then we'll run through some news from the last couple weeks of Star Wars. But really quickly, Sammy, where are you right now with The Last Jedi on uh, numerous repeat watchings? So I'm loving all the little Easter eggs that are in there. Like I could go through all of them, but remember I texted you how he was like using the force when he fell down in the, in the so duel good. with Ray in the rain. And, and it's almost like he was like, you know, she was, I'm starting to think I, I, and I'm liking it more, but I still, I still have my problems with it, but like, I'm starting to think that he really was being maybe the mentor that she needed. And he may have orchestrated some of this a little bit more, than we imagined i think he had his own problems in the way but i think he in the end was giving her a path of guidance that he was able to give and it may have been more like actual purposeful things than uh than meets the eye and the first kind of viewing because he does it so casually and so um angrily but that may have been the point to 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 make her uh question some of it and push her and you know uh it it really drew uh, a a lot of strength from her i mean she she left that island a stronger jedi period you know and she's able to do more and he he did things for her and to her brain that like opened things up to 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 really uh, take you to another level. So, so yeah, it's pretty cool, and it's one thing after the other. So, uh, I'm I'm glad I'm watching it more. And like I said, like when you compare it to things that you've watched hundreds of times, it's hard to be like, oh my god, this this is it, this is it. I found, I've I've caught the dragon, you know. And it doesn't work like that. It, it, you know, it, it takes some time to to dig through it and find other things. And and you know, Desert Island. Who knows? Stuck on a desert island. Who knows what movie I'll want in. Uh, in 10 years and that that's kind rogue of the one. fun thing <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's because rogue one is flawless i think and this is can i can i just react really quickly to my changing thoughts about last jedi yes so three things have become apparent for me and they have to do with the three main storylines okay and two of them are good or one of them's good and two are not as good the first is I continue to dislike Cantobite more and more on rewatches. Not because it doesn't <laughs> look good and I don't like those characters, but I, they just went too far in making Finn a dummy and Rose always right and in instructing him and stuff. I, that should have been a more complicated relationship. It's like, what if he was the one who wanted to free the Fatiers and not her? You know, like little tiny things where they were both making mistakes and both helping each other is both more believable and more interesting to me. Versus him force gumping his way through his things and her, you know, always, you know, look coming up. No, it's the opposite. Force Gump was always morally right and helping other people who weren't morally right, I would argue. But anyways, uh, I meant more so like Forrest Gump, like he's accident. Any of his successes are like accident. Oh, I see what you're saying. Almost versus okay. hers are like, she's like guiding yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the whole storyline of, of theirs. The second thing that's really been bothering me is as much as I love Carrie Fisher and God knows I love her and as much as I love uh, Oscar Isaac in general, but as Poe Dameron, 
the more I watch the movie, the thing that makes me the angriest is I don't think Poe is in character. And even if he was, it's not, they didn't establish the relationships appropriately, especially with him and Holdo. That relationship makes zero sense from beginning to end. Agreed. So why don't you just have two storylines where Rose and Finn are doing a lot, but they're with the fleet the whole time or most of the time, and they do a more Battlestar Galactica thing where, you know, Battlestar, there's always like mutinies or threats of mutinies, you know, but like, it's not the actual mutinies in Battlestar that are necessarily interesting. It's like what leads up to them or diffuses them or so forth. And so, by having just two main storylines with, with with the with the Jedi, which I'll get back to, and then the fleet, they could have done a more extended Battlestar thing where the relationships were more developed, where the fleet battles were more regular and more made more sense. Like, you know, you, you know how like in Battlestar, like it doesn't always look as good as Star Wars, obviously, but it always makes sense logistically what's happening with the cap, you know, and the jumping and the protection of the civilian fleets, and you know, you're always counting how many civilian fleets are. Because there aren't many, um, you know, the logistics always work excellently, in my opinion, in, in, in Battlestar. And so, I wish they had just done two storylines and kept everybody other than Ray and Luke and, and Kylo with the fleet, and just made that a really tense, even more tense situation. However, the Luke, Ray, and Kylo stuff never gets old for me, and because it's so great. The other storylines just kind of become an obstacle in the way of me enjoying Luke, Ray, and Kylo, but at the same time, the Luke, Ray, and Kylo stuff is so compelling and awesome that I'm willing to forgive the other stuff. So those are my thoughts. You can react to those or not, and then we'll move on. Yeah, no, I think those are excellent points. A- absolutely. I think I think the you're right about that try, uh, the triforce of, uh, uh, of characters really... You know that all, that whole in between that whole relationship chain is really interesting. As you were t- guiding me through why you thought that, I was imagining it without the mutiny and without you know pose that whole situation. Um, and, and and you're yeah you're 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 not wrong because there were definitely some. Holes I'm just an in, asshole. Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. wrong, Walter. Um, <laughs> there, it was. I just sometimes he was just seemed so stupid sometimes and it's some sometimes about finn or, or poe or both poe 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 i just felt like just sometimes he was so irrational and like could have like figured out some things a little easier at certain points and like i was surprised that he didn't know anything that was going on with what the actual plan was like look finn finn was a brainwashed stormtrooper his whole life and this is like 96 hours later so i am perfectly willing to forgive him being a dummy poe being a dummy poe it does make no sense and i also really i I think i said that to reiterate it again i said it in the other in the one of the other podcasts but like there was just so much loss of life in this and it was so reckless in 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 last jedi with like that like with rose's sister that whole scene with rose's sister and like and poe poe didn't get that how does he not have how does he not get the value of life at that point because he was raised as a stormtrooper his whole life and never taught to think for himself and he's in love with ray and he was unconscious i can i think poe is just in a daze right i guess or finn yeah. sorry sorry finn is just in a daze the whole time i that's, and that's how, fine yeah. and that's fine but poe i'm not rede- I, I i'm not really redeeming his 
His, you're right, you know, his character swap, if you will. Here's the other thing, man, and this will lead into our first topic about new Star Wars properties, which is called The Resistance, which is an anime-style cartoon that takes place before Force Awakens starring Poe and BB-8 and Leia. Hopefully Tally. I want more Tally. Um, but um, what I realized, man, between being upset about Poe and loving Rogue One more and more is that as much as I love the Han Solo, you know, scum and villainy stuff, and as much as I love the Jedi stuff, and you know I'm a giant philosophy nerd, I love the rebellion and the resistance, you know, because I think that's the most politically and socially important part. And to see in the original Star Wars, man, who was the coolest, like, rebellion uh, fighter that wasn't a main character that was in all three movies? The coolest rebellion fighter... There's only one. His name is Wedge Antilles. He was oh, in all yeah, three Wedge. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. better in each one. And because he's just cool and a badass, it's great. But the reason I was so excited about Poe Dameron was because we were finally getting a rebel pilot. We don't even get this in Rogue One. We were finally getting a lead rebel pilot who was going to be an amazing pilot, but he was going to be a little more older and veteran and complicated. And yes, he would still be a hotshot, but he would have experience. And that's why I think the interactions with him and Leia are totally believable. But then Leia, that's the other thing, man. Leia being unconscious for half the movie also angers me increasingly. I've, I've said in the past that uh, even though I want more Leia, I was cool with it. But on rewatches, she's the, putting her unconscious and having fucking Laura Dern be the one dealing with Poe the whole time, I think was a major, major fail on the part of not just Ryan Johnson, but, but Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, and the Lucas Story Group. And Paul pointed this out that, you know, we can criticize Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson, but the, the ultimate um, responsibility for these mistakes lies with Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm Story Groups. And I love Kathleen Kennedy and the story group but they overreached on this one and it was underdeveloped in some and we just gonna have to live with it that's a good place to move on segue okay so here we go yeah okay well what do you want to start with we've got the star wars resistance cartoon we've got the john favreau tv series we've got the game of thrones people come on coming on those are the three main topics i want to talk so the about the third one i the first one you just said i know the, the anime one i know the least about okay so let's move from from the ones you know the most to the least, or which way do you want to start, go? Start wherever you want. Just just intro okay. them. And let's then do just- Game of Thrones quickly, because you love Game of Thrones. I don't. I did love the first couple of seasons, but I know so much about it. I've seen a bunch of episodes. I love all the actors on Game of Thrones. I mean, so far we've got Amelia Clark, Gwendolyn Christie. We keep getting more actors and people from Game of Thrones. In Star Wars, Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow, has literally been begging Disney to bring him onto Star Wars. He's a huge fan. Sammy, people don't realize English people are as into Star Wars as we are. Prince Henry and Prince William spent numerous days on the set, and there's great photos with Mark Hamill showing them oh, around I and them that. in X Wings. I saw those. I saw those. Um, those speaking of which, you know who was that? Uh, you know who's a special invited guest to the royal wedding? Who? the love of my life oh my god was she uh-huh did she go of course she went but she was oh my god she she's very private and because there were so many other famous people there she was able to go under the radar so I, I haven't found photos but it was reported by numerous sources that felicity was there with her her hubby so that's oh, wow. great also, that's awesome. the Ruth Bader Ginsburg straight-up documentary that just came out in the last couple weeks is getting unbelievable reviews, and my entire family, other than me, has seen it. And 
What's cool is uh, the RBG documentary is being produced by these same people who are producing the Felicity movie on the basis of sex. And so they release them like six plus months apart so that they both get viewed and people can enjoy both of them. So that's more great news for RBG, for Felicity Jones, for the Jewish people in general. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yay tov, yay tov. And for everybody to hopefully understand that this woman is a, is a great woman. And, uh, you know, I think history will, will look at her as uh, a revolutionary. Absolutely. And, and not only is she the, maybe the most important and influential Jewish American woman of all time, you could make the argument in terms of her direct effect on American society and her being an open Jew, that she is the most important American Jew of all time. Yeah. And uh, female uh, as well. I mean, female American Jew, especially just because of the leaps and bounds that she's done for women, I mean, is absolutely incredible. Yep. So before we jump into the, these news topics, Timmy, actually, I want to talk about the Celebration uh, announcement first, because that's more recent. Celebration Star Wars, guys, for those who don't know, is like Comic-Con, but it's official Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars, and that's it. Uh, although it draws, unsurprisingly, as many people as Comic-Con and maybe more. And it's usually in Anaheim, you know, where Disneyland is. Occasionally, it's in Orlando, where Disney World is. They announced Chicago. And it's at the McCormick Center, which is one of the largest convention centers in the country, Sammy. I have heard the main theater there holds 5,000 people. And I'd like to point out that it is happening mere weeks before the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. And teaser, guys, I'm going to be doing a Phantom Menace commentary with Jedi Geek Girl and an Attack of the Clones commentary with Simi. So, Simi, you know where I'm going with this, but doing it in Chicago on the 20th anniversary with a giant theater so we can all be there, I think I know who's going to be coming... I think I'm going to be getting my way there too. That's yeah, uh, baby. That's pretty much my home city. I know it yeah. sounds weird, but where I grew up uh, and when I grew up, the time period uh, where it was about three and a half hours from Chicago, and uh, I'm very happy with the upbuild of Detroit. I, I, I wish it the best and would do anything to support and talk it up. Their restaurants, everything that's going on. I'm going on my mini honeymoon to Detroit after I get married, and going on a honeymoon somewhere else later. Um, and I love Detroit, but I grew up in East Lansing at a time when you didn't really go to Detroit that often. And Chicago was the first city where, uh, I really was starting to get acclimated to as a, like, you know, seven, eight year old, like really remembering walking around, having such an urban environment versus my small college town lifestyle that I yep. had, uh, grown up in. Cause even my family from Boston, when I'd go there, you know, uh, we never left the burbs, so I, I really never got a feel for Boston until I was much older. So sh I'm excited that they'll do it in the Midwest. I welcome you to the Windy City. Chicago has incredible people, food, things to do, Wrigleyville. There is tons of stuff going on. It is, in my opinion, easily the best of the big five, seven cities in the country. Easily. I, uh, you know, I throw it up there in the world too with some of the some of the uniqueness of those neighborhoods yeah. too i mean i don't I, I mean new york's new york so let me rephrase that it is the most accessible and friendly of the giant cities in this country and i'll even uh i lived and in cleanest. la for two years oh and cleanest i lived in la for two years la's problem is it's not really linked together it's a bunch of little cities next to each other and that's a lot how it is there's a lot of different neighborhoods 
right next to each other, and it's very different. Chicago has a lot of very cool neighborhoods, solid, big, large neighborhoods that all kind of go together, and there is a flow to the city, and I believe it's a little bit more interconnected. I think L.A. is getting there with a lot of the leaps and bounds that they've been doing, especially with their transportation. That's one of the biggest problems. But Chicago has a decent train, and they always have. Um, and that, you know, that interconnectedness that you're able to move people around uh, all parts of the city there's lots of advantages to that. So, I mean, I think this is related to the fact, you know, people say the NFL's moving the Super Bowl around just to like get more money and expand the brand, but like when it was in Indianapolis, like everyone said Indianapolis was like so fun and easy to get around. Like San Diego, Phoenix, you know, these cities like I know they're warm, but they're shit cities in terms of like being a visitor. And I think they're doing this because Chicago's easy, even though it's expensive is easy to get around. Around and they're expecting a record number of people because we are going to see the first full trailer of episode nine. We're going to know by then much more about the future of Star Wars. We'll hear about the Game of Thrones projects, the John Favreau project. And I think 100% they are going to get the entire full cast of the prequels, including Natalie Portman there. I did not think that was possible, but Jedi Geek Girl uh, knows a few people uh, related to the Star Wars industry, and she's already hearing rumblings that it's she, Natalie might not be locked in, but they are trying extremely hard to get Natalie to come. And if this was not when she, I mean, if, if she ever were to come to a Comic Con or, or anything, Star Wars celebration in Chicago with Disney, making sure she has a great experience. And based on the fact that Hayden Christensen got like a five minute standing ovation when he finally came back last year, there's no way way people will not be thrilled to see natalie portman and uh i i'm talking to one right now that i think will be exciting you know i i'm a huge fan of hers i like all of her work uh well i take that back i like most of her yeah, work most. i think she's an incredible actress well just like anybody else yeah. I, mean, so I mean let's be honest jennifer so lawrence has had some terrible movies watch your mouth I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I fucking love Jennifer Lawrence, but her recent Darren Aronofsky movie, I know literally two people who enjoyed it. And like, is that the Spar- Sparrow? No, that got trashed. No, there was an even weirder movie last year. She was a mother, in. mother, mother. Yeah, I heard. No, that I love. I just saw Jennifer Sparrow. Lawrence. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. I mean, Felicity Jones is the love of my life, but the girl I would love to like get with is definitely J Law, <laughs> and she's a spectacular actress. And Silver Linings Playbook is one of my favorite movies. By the way, I just saw the. I'll be there for you, Jen. Cassie said I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, um, oh, speaking of that, yeah. Uh, if I can jump oh, into that real here quick, here comes the sexy look. They're going right at each other. Sorry, go ahead. Should I uh, should I buy the individual comic books or should I buy? Because I like the physical ones too. I appreciate the gift you sent me of the digital. But should I buy the book of all six of those comic books? Or should I buy the individual ones? Does it matter? So with the comics, man, it's tough. I might just have Jedi Geek Girl hit you up on Facebook because she's the lore master and she's literally read everything. I, I don't know whether to say paper or digital. It's much cheaper digital. You save a ton of money. Interesting. But here are the comic book lines that are in canon um, that I've heard are the best. I've heard Poe Dameron is good and get, is getting better and better. It takes place leading up to episode seven. I've heard the Vader comic books are amazing. They introduced a new canon female sexy archaeologist character named Dr. Afra, who who's you know, who has these like murderous droids. She's like an archaeologist. Uh so the Vader and Afra comics I've heard are awesome. 
Uh, there hmm. are some that have Luke between New Hope and Empire, uh, and it's actually in canon that, or not in canon, but like they show you, he confronts Vader actually between New Hope and Empire, and that's when Vader discovers it's Luke, and uh, that Luke is his son, and that's why he knows at the beginning of Empire. So it explains that. Um, also, those issues, what's really cool to me for me writing my Obi-Wan book is every fifth issue... Um, in the graphic novels are tales of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the desert during the time period that I'm writing about, like fighting off Tusken Raiders, trying to get water, dealing with Uncle Owen and stuff like that. So interesting that's really okay, cool cool but but yeah and then the lando oh, cool. uh six there's one lando like they're gonna do more obviously but like the billy d williams lando there's like a six issue lando comic is one of the few i've read and is awesome because it's a single lando adventure that takes place over like 24 hours where as t- typically he thinks he's got everything under control but someone much richer and more powerful than him takes advantage of him we t- him and lobot you know his his computer brain buddy and all that stuff are in it so we can talk about the off mic I, it's, got it it's been mixed t- but the casting one is literally just one big issue and so that's why i sent it to you i figured it just be you get the lore and if you really like it you can get the physical one later no you know, that's not a bad idea great yeah. great yeah so okay guys so we'll, we'll bring more star wars celebration news all i was going to say simmy is this is amazing for you for all the reasons you just listed but even if you didn't have a connection to chicago it's so close to your family relatively it would still make a lot of sense me my entire dad's side of the family is from chicago um and i still have a lot of relatives there so so i'm not, not gonna have to pay much for hotel or maybe get a good deal so this is great for me and you and because it's celebration, like it'll still sell out. Tickets go on sale June 5th, guys, around noon. You should check out StarWars.com for that. Hotels will go very quickly. That being said, there is a decent public transportation system and a million cabs. So if you're not within half a mile of the convention center, right, Simi, it's not the worst thing in the world. Absolutely. The, the, I was actually going to mention that. The suburbs are beautiful. It's some of the most beautiful parts of the country in terms of some of the residential. Evanston. Uh, where Northwestern University is a great suburb uh, near Lincolnwood and Highland Park. My parents are both alums of Northwestern. That's an excellent school, the Harvard of the Midwest. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's some great things going on there. So I encourage everybody to not be discouraged at all and look at it as a good thing that it's in Chicago. Word. All right, man, let's run through a few topics here. Um, so uh, we finally got the announcement from Dave Filoni's um, uh, animated group. It's called Star Wars Resistance, and um, uh, I'm just going to read the quick description here, the visual description. It will be set just before the events of Force Awakens, and will follow a pilot named Kazuda Shiono, who's recorded in the Resistance movement, uh, shown uh, is cl- uh, created by Dave Filoni. Filoni says, quote, this was inspired by my interest in World War II aircraft and fighter pilot, and the look of the show will be inspired by anime, but not specifically anime. They've cast a lot of people who have a lot of experience. I don't know any of these people by name, but we will see BB-8, we'll see Poe Dameron, hopefully see a good version of Captain Phasma. If nothing else, we have Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie doing the voices, and, uh, uh that's about all we know um uh yeah uh so i don't know like if this is going to be closer to rebels or clone wars in terms of the age group but it seems like it's gonna be more of a family show although with poe and uh and phasma it's hard to know so um any thoughts on this 
I always wonder exactly kind of what you're just saying. Like, who is this for? I mean, is it still for eight-year-olds at this point, this specific line? Or, or what are they tailoring it for? And I think they're tailoring it to different um, – to trying to get it at different levels. So I wonder – I wonder how violent it's going to be. I mean, I wonder uh, how graphic it's going to be. You know, anime can get pretty violent and pretty get graphic uh, by nature. Yeah. I think that's the big question, man. Sorry. I don't know if this is going to be closer to the children's Miyazaki or right. Dave Filoni's favorite movie. One of favorite movie is Princess Mononoke, which is where he stole all the white wolves. Um, actually, both Last Jedi and uh, Rebels took a lot of imagery. Uh, directly and indirectly from Miyazaki. But Princess Mononoke was a brutal, bloody PG-13 anime. Ghost in the Shell, obviously, is rated R. They're not going to go there. But I could see, yeah, I could see a Princess Mononoke, but I think we're going to see more of, like, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle meets Star Wars would be my guess. And I know they're doing another one. I think there's going to be more of a CGIE adult one coming out um, in addition. My guess it will be on the children's side of anime, but that's an excellent point. It is anime can be very adult how do you feel about anime in general do you watch any i don't watch anything however i'm not just because i don't think there's been a real storyline that i could associate with that i I really like so i haven't really nothing's popped out like that in terms of what's being advertised to me here's the thing so dave filoni was hired by george lucas and dave filoni was working on the critically acclaimed not the bad movie the original cartoon, Avatar of the Last Airbender, which for people the generation below us they grew up on in the early to mid-2000s, is considered one of the greatest Western uh, animated shows ever, but it was very heavily anime-focused. So this is not a surprise Filoni would do it. And the main criticism of anime, by the way, by people who don't like it, is understandably, is not the animation style, but the horribly, horribly stereotypical gender roles, which we know is not going to be the case in Star Wars, if anything... The reverse gender roles is what is pissing some idiots off out there. So, so if it's just the anime style, but with like the Filoni Star Wars touch, I'm optimistic about this. Absolutely, I was going to say my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in any movie is actually an anime scene in uh, in Kill Bill uh, with uh, uh, Oshiren and uh, watching her kill uh, the big boss was just that whole switch over that Quentin Tarantino did to anime was considering it was Japanese and and, and, and and her Japanese American heritage was being questioned. It was such a great cross like and he loves crossing over language. He loves crossing over genres. He loves crossing crossing over from influences in his life. And and to see it like just switch to this awesome anime like thing, like I I, I was blown away. And that's so that's actually one of my favorite all time scenes is when they switch to her story and they do it as an anime. All right, cool. Um so let us move on. This is not a brand new announcement. We just haven't talked about it. They haven't released much info. I think we'll get some more soon, which is that Game of Thrones creators, David Be- uh, Benioff and D.B. Weiss, both Jews, by the way, um, are going to write and produce a new series of Star Wars films. This was announced a couple weeks ago. Um, so Simi, this is pure speculation. People think they might do an old Republic, like old school, like how the Jedi and Sith fought each other at one time uh, because it's much more medieval and stuff, but it really could be anything. So let me ask you a two part question. One, uh, do you have any theories or, or not theories? Is there anything you being a game of Thrones fans, you could see translating over to, uh, let's start with this. Yeah. Is there anything you could see translating over from game of Thrones, either early seasons, late seasons, whatever, 
to um uh to a star wars series well i think one of the cooler things about game of thrones is that the in-depth characters as well as like their lineage you know and like who they are so i think that's going to be really cool as they grow this world because that's a lot of what we're, we're figuring out and what we're digging into so I, I think that's what they can bring to it um in description and and adding to a lot of the lore. But I, I'm really excited for like why they've chosen it to be uh, a live action movie, you know? Um, and I think, you know, that has to do with hopefully with curing my fears or, or taking care of my fears about how they're going to portray some of these new aliens and how real they're going to look. So hopefully this crossover is going to be the right kind of um, medium to really portray, you yeah. know, good, solid aliens and point. and not have them be unrealistic. So there's no Jar Jar Banks. And again, uh, I'm not bashing them. But no, no, no. A lot of it Can I was, do a follow up question on that real quickly? Yeah, go ahead. So something we have often teased and said we want more of but haven't fully discussed is the lack of new practical or cgi aliens in the in the movies but let's be honest one of the coolest parts of clone wars and rebels being animated was that we got so many awesome like uh what's the the bounty hunter with the tubes in his neck and the the new orleans voice from clone wars who's in a bunch of it um shit hold on one sec the woman with the darts no or? no no no. he's a man he wears a hat he talks like a cajun he's got tubes coming from his neck cad bane guys like cad bane would be extremely i'm gonna send you this over a uh, skype message it would be extremely difficult to do in real life they definitely could now i again simmy i urge you to watch return of the jedi at the twi'lex and see how possible a live action ahsoka would be i understand your reservations but ahsoka or not we need more aliens i i fully agree with you yeah so i think uh, i think that's what i'm hoping for and maybe that's what's gonna lead to it oh yeah yeah, 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 talks yeah, yeah, like yeah. this. Yeah, I'm Cad Bane. We're yeah. gonna make a deal. Yeah, he's one of my. Fa- he's the one that loves Ezra, right? So, um, so yeah, so that would be cool. Um, I don't want to get into a giant Game of Thrones discussion. I will say, being a fantasy guy, I do totally understand the appeal. I do think it's pornographic and manipulative in some bad ways, but. I love the first couple seasons. The bigger problem I have is when they started to kill people just for shock value, but specifically all the good guys I was rooting for, they killed the entire Stark family or was torturing them. I, it was just a, too much for me. Um, so because we don't have enough, much news about this, let me ask you this. How have you seen the progression in your own mind and opinion from the early days of Game of Thrones to the last couple seasons? And like genuinely would would you want this series to feel more like a ri- older game of thrones newer game of thrones or, or even like is there a specific family or storyline this is totally this is just based on speculation and desires you know are there characters storylines themes like one thing from game of thrones that you think would be cool to kind of translate into star wars well i think i think the whole thing with kit and what they do as he's uh spoiler alert brought back from the dead and he's that's uh, john snow people by the way you know the way they he's this like deity he's like this walking deity and like still people are digesting that you know what i mean like there's still not everybody knows that he came back from the dead not everybody knows how he came back from the dead so like that news and that lore of what's created the life and death of john snow you know and then his resurrection is 
kind of incredible. And just watching him walk around as the as the rebirth of Christ, if you will. You know, imagine the days. You know, so Easter happens, and or, or it's not Easter then; it's the resurrection of Christ. And then you know, you know, he's back. <laughs> you know, so like, and like, but like, you know, he's not really where they killed him, and, and so it's just kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Okay, focus yes. this, and we'll move on to a couple more topics and finish up. So you know, the big, the big structural thing in Game of Thrones are houses, you know, nobility, <clears throat> which is a fantasy trope, but Game of Thrones does totally differently, which is fine. Star Wars doesn't really have that. I mean, there's so much medieval fantasy stuff in Star Wars, but like other than Natalie Portman, when she's briefly Queen Amidala and then she gives it up, it the Star Wars universe seems to alternate between being a democracy of some sort or just a pure-on autocratic empire. We don't see that sort of oligarchic, monarchic, society you know what i mean like succession king thing blah 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 blah. does that make sense like do you think that would work with star wars or do you think these guys are just going to take their general experience and do something totally different i I think the latter i think they are going to take their general experience and just do something different because i i mean they're really hard to compare at all and just that's why i took something kind of abstract that i liked and how they were able to maintain that strong character and still build around him um and you know just make you want to learn more and more about what's what's really going on because the characters don't even know what's really going on so i I think they can use some fun things from from a lot of different things they did in that and also just faced with having to produce uh at such a high level uh and so quickly so much content you know they had to and they're young guys you know so just that experience i think is really going to give them you know, they have this new vehicle, and I, I, I have some confidence that they're going to do some great things with it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I love pretty much every actor, even the guy who plays Iron Fist, who's horrible in that show, like, uh, is good in Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, they just have impeccable casting. You know I love Amelia Clark. I love the guy who plays Rob Stark. He's been in some movies. I don't know why he's not in more. He's excellent. And I actually think Kit Harington has way more potential than we've seen. I mean, people like Jon Snow, but he, obviously the famous line that even people who don't watch Game of Thrones is, you know, nothing Jon Snow or whatever. He's very charismatic and cool and funny in real life. So I would love to see them. You know how Ryan Coogler brings Michael B. Jordan into literally all of his movies? Uh, Fruitvale Station, Creed, Black Panther, new movies coming up. Um, I would love to see them bring Kit and a couple others into the Star Wars universe. Because let's be honest, a lot of Game of Thrones is is people not emoting uh, much. They're commanding people or being commanded and trying not to... You know what I mean? Like Even the people nominated for Emmys like... Um, oh fuck! Who played Sarah Connor? Uh, Lena Lena Headey, Amelia Clark. It's a lot of like giving orders and being menacing. It'd be nice to see guys like Kit and so forth. Um, I'm really hoping they bring Lena Headey and actually play Cersei uh, into this project because she played Sarah Connor in the very, 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 very excellent underrated Sarah Connor Chronicles a few years back which was like a Terminator prequel on Fox. Mm-hmm. And she was the best and baddest. All, all apologies to Linda Hamilton, because that was mostly about her being a mom to like teenage John Connor. It was just amazing in it. 
Um, and she has a flawless American accent. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's funny, man. Like even Paul Herman, who I had on the other day, his like way more established podcaster than me. He knows who I am from social media. He was really nice enough to give me a couple hours of his time with all his podcasts. Even he knew I hated Game of Thrones, which is hilarious because I normally post that stuff on Facebook. We don't even talk about Facebook. So apparently I, I am well known in the Twitter sphere for just liking Game of Thrones. For the record, guys, I like the first two to three seasons and I love the cast and so i'm actually looking forward to this yeah i I am too i i I think it's a great selection i'm glad they're gonna do it and you can't you can't just have the same people writing for all these different worlds that they're they're creating so there has to be a reason why you're gonna want to watch one thing or why you're gonna want to watch something else and um everyone i think at some level depending on age group and stuff is gonna find some of it more appropriate than others and 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 it's going to speak to certain people and it's going to not speak as much to others. And again, I can't emphasize this as, as, as much like the, the, the world that they're creating is just incredible. So I'm, I'm loving all the different routes that they're going and the, uh, you know, the all-star cast that they're putting together is, is a good idea. That, that's what you do when you're building a good project. You put great people around you. So, And let's be honest, you know, how I talk about like, I, I think part of the problem with Last Jedi was that people were predicting based on nothing ahead of time that it was going to be like even better than the empire strikes back. And so when it wasn't the empire strikes back, they're very disappointed. You and I always talk about managing expectations. Absolutely. But I, the fact that they had already given Ryan Johnson a trilogy, it look, I know people who don't love last Jedi, but they do like Ryan Johnson and, and think he can do well with the trilogy. I don't think it's coincidence that they announced the Game of Thrones thing shortly after Last Jedi to get some people back on board because, you know, adults, let's be honest, adults across the board, women and men, love Game of Thrones. So I think they were always going to do it, but I don't think the timing was a coincidence this happened in like late January, early February. So um, I'm going to move on to to Favreau because for me, this is the most interesting, but I I wanted to, if you have any other thoughts about uh, what we've talked about in terms of Game of Thrones or the the cartoons. Uh, go ahead. No, I think that's a good segue point. That, that's a, that's great. All right. So, Simi, we're getting a live-action TV show of Star Wars. It will be directed and produced by Jon Favreau, who, let's be honest, is hilarious and an amazing director, directing everything from uh, Swingers to Iron Man to Jungle Book, which I actually loved. I did too. And, and Jungle Book is actually not a good story. Like if you look at it on the page and Rudyard Kipling is a fucking colonialist douchebag. And I thought he did it. Look, I like the beauty and the beast reinterpretation. I, I, I liked it, but I know, you know, they added feminist messages and pro gay messages, which got it banned. Like that's what they're doing. They're taking their old classic stories, reinterpreting it. But even if people out there didn't love the jungle book, I think Simi, it's indisputable that it looked amazing and I never didn't buy the animals almost the whole time. I mean, Christopher Walken doing that number is incredible. And it's Bill Murray incredible. singing the bare necessities. Come on. Come on. How can you not love that? You're lying to yourself if you do. Yeah. So here we go. John Favreau's Star Wars series. Here's the key quote, Simi. You ready? Uh-huh. The show will take place seven years after Return of the Jedi. Finally. Finally getting I'm so excited. Between we're finally getting something between six and seven that's way closer to six than seven. Absolutely. So we're really gonna get what happened. Uh we're gonna probably see 
some hints at the First Order and some of their There's rise. almost no way we don't at least see or hear Luke, Leia, and Han at some point, even though they're not the major characters. Go ahead. Right. I mean, they may do it like they do in the books where you know, their correspondence and then one of the characters is more of a character than others, you know? So, uh, but I also think, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess even better. It's seven years after the battle of Yavin, three years after the battle of Endor return of the Jedi. Go ahead. Right. So I think, I think it's going to like, just leave a lot of doors, uh, to be open for tons of things to happen. So, uh, you know, we, we've been watching, it's going to have Ben, you know, and, uh, Ben is going to be, Growing up, I'm guessing. How old is Ben? Well, look, be? here's the thing, Sammy. We've both read Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is amazing. <clears throat> or listen to it, right? Right. So wh- where is that in reference to So me? that's five years before Force Awakens. And while Ben is with Luke, Leia has zero conception that anything bad is going on with Ben. So this will be way... But that doesn't mean you can't show young Ben being bratty or whatever, but this is well before he's even considering Kylo Ren. I think. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. It, that's what I said. That's what I was saying. I think it's that Ben is growing up. What if the twist is Snoke has disguised himself as the sweet old guy next door and is actually playing with Ben's brain from a really early age and nobody knows or something like that. That could be interesting. Oh man, they could do tons of stuff. Cause we really don't know much about Snoke at all. We know that like if Ben didn't kill him, like, well, I don't know who was going to. <laughs> so, um, Favreau let this slip very openly and clearly during the solo premiere, which means um, look, Favreau started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's be honest. He's not a dummy. He knows how these things work. He was not only given permission, but Kathleen Kennedy probably told him to do the announcement then to create excitement about this. And I think, right. I think not only is it smart to not have Luke be a main character, but have him be in it. But Simi, do you think that with John Favreau's storytelling and the Star Wars story group and them aware of people's unhappiness with certain things, do you think it's possible to get some people back on board with the Luke transformation if they're not thrilled about it, even if Luke's not a main character? Like, should that even be a priority? I don't think it has to be, but I think it can be a sidetrack in terms of like what's going to be going on. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to draw more of a clearer picture of how Luke got to be you know, the hermit that he is or was, uh, you know, and get to the evolution of him. And, and, and I, I, you know, we were talking about this in the last podcast when we were watching, uh, when we were watching new hope, like he's just, he's young. And in, in Jedi, in last Jedi, he's, he's still pretty young. Like he's not that old. It hasn't been that amount of time, especially for that of a Jedi. Okay. Like he's barely lived that long. So can I tell you, can I tell you a cool little anecdote? Yeah. Did you ever play? Okay. So before I say this, Electronic Arts, the video game company, is fucking evil and stealing money and ga- online gambling, stealing money from kids and poor people <laughs> with their fucking loot boxes and microtransactions. So fuck EA. And Battlefront 2, which came out last year, uh, Christmas, was underwhelming in a lot of ways. I don't know if you've played it before I tell you this anecdote. I do play it, but I have not spent a dime. Have you Have you played the campaign with Iden Versio? No, I might be playing a different one, but there is an ea thing where they give you options to buy loot boxes and but you can just sit there and just play with the free shit they give you do you have the new battlefront that came out a few months ago no i don't have battlefront i have a different one but it's still the same concept it's still like 
like I, I'm, I'm a, I have an addictive personality, and I sometimes tease myself. Maybe I should buy one of the boxes. All I need is this to get this thing open, and then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm not gonna fucking buy one of those boxes. So I do it all for free. In other words, until they, and they, which is basically like an hour of playing a day, which makes sense. Like you shouldn't play these fucking things for more than an hour or so a day. Any, who am I? Go on. Okay. So the gameplay, both single player and multiplayer, while it's gorgeous, is somewhat underwhelming for a shooter. That's fine. I'm going to send you this video clip. So the idea for the campaign, they did a prequel novel. Uh, they've never done a campaign for a Battlefront game before. was very cool, which was you were going to follow a badass female pilot uh, in the Empire and fly TIE fighters, and it was going to take place right before Endor. And this isn't a spoiler, because this happens in like the first full mission. They're on Endor, trying to stop Han and them from blowing up the shield generator. And before they can get there, they look up and see the Death Star blow up. And then all sorts of craziness. Oh, that's awesome. It's great. That's awesome. And that's awesome. everyone had thought that they would, by the end of the campaign, turn to the good guys for some reason. But it happens way too early in the story. And you know me, I'm not an empire guy but i loved playing tie fighter back in the day and these characters were great and they had them turn to the rebellion in an unconvincing way by the third mission she's already like taking orders from leia and so they wasted an opportunity there however her number two whose name is delmico actually converts first and you know about we've talked have we talked about the the um observatories in emperor palpatine's long-term plan where he was looking beyond the galaxy and yeah a little bit yeah a little okay bit. so let's put it this way so palpatine had a vision he was going to die he didn't think it was going to happen at the hands of darth vader but he knew it was coming soon um and so he laid plans for his top advisors to go to the outer rims or beyond of the galaxy for the order uh well, it became the First Order, but the reason First Order looks so much like the Empire and acts so much like the Empire is that his advisors lost and less worthy people took over and just imitated the Empire. It was actually supposed to be way more sinister than what we see in the prequels, but also way more interesting cosmologically. Anyways, so Del Mico's on one of the planets trying to shut down uh, one of these observatories as per the, the, the dying uh, wish. Uh, so uh, Palpatine had basically recorded a hologram before he died, giving his final orders. And the lead character, Iden Versio, her dad was like one of the trusted advisors. And so he had access to this really scary hologram. Uh, the Emperor, voiced by Sam Witwer, who's an amazing voice actor, who played Starkiller in... Um, the Force Unleashed games. He's in Battlestar. Mm-hmm. Oh, he plays Crashdown. You remember Crashdown from season one of Battlestar? Yes. Uh, yeah. But he's also a great voice actor. He does the best Emperor Palpatine. Uh, he also does Darth Maul in Palpatine in Star Wars Rebels. Um, does the voice for it. Anyways, point being, so Dell's on this planet trying to g- blow up this thing he doesn't even understand that the dead Emperor has commanded him. And who does he run into but Luke Skywalker? Huh. And they get in a situation where they have to fight together against some enemy aliens. And in between the the fighting, Luke, with very few words, turns him. Like, just by talking to this guy. And he basically is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you need to think about what you're doing with your life. Like, that sort of stuff. But in Luke talk. 
And it's so, that's why it was okay, because it's so believable that Luke, right after he turned into the Jedi, would go around convincing people to stop their evil ways. It's really brilliant. And so huh. I, I hope we get to see this, because it really shows you the, the journey he went from being, again, he's the greatest Jedi uh, ever when it comes to spiritual force, and this really shows it. So I'm going to try and send you the clip. So there's some good stuff there, man, and, and there's some Star Trek-y stuff, there's some mystical stuff. So I'm most pumped by far about Favreau. Me too, me too, absolutely. So let me, I have one big last question, and then we'll, I'll give you final thoughts. But my question is this, with the fact that people really like The Force Awakens, but no one like loves, loves, loves it because it's so much like the original, and the mixed reaction to uh, Last Jedi... And, and even though there was some people don't love Rogue One, I think it's aging great and more and more people are coming to it because of how flawless it is and the fact that it's before the original trilogy and I think Solo's going to do great. Do you think they should stop doing trilogies altogether or at least not be announcing trilogies? Like, be like, hey, Ryan Johnson's doing a new series of movies, but we're not going to tell you how long, how many and how long they are. Should they just start doing blank a Star Wars story no matter when it's set and stop trying to do these trilogies? Because let's be honest, no one's going to be able to ju- judge episode seven, episode eight until they see episode nine. Like we forget that because we grew up seeing the, the entire original trilogy. Does that make sense? That was a long question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. I think ultimately when we watch a lot of these movies that are- because truly sorry trilogies are exhausting right that's been one of my points is that and everyone I bring on who loves Rogue One says the same thing which is yes it's a great movie but also the fact that it's a one and done also makes it great so well it's also why I look at them differently maybe that's why I love Rogue One more because and you know I've said this a few times that I think I've started to like it more because like you know the characters all spoiler alert die so you love them in a different way. Like I know, I know she's going to, I know Ray is going to be back, you know? So until this trilogy ends, it's also hard to say that because we already know, I already know that I like this trilogy more than, you know, one, two and three. So, and then I, I, so, so until it's done, I won't be able to really judge it, but there, there is something to be said that one is definitive and over and so you can love those characters in a different way versus you don't know what's going to happen to these characters so maybe you you love them in a different way you know so as we experience the the trilogy and now have a trilogy that will be complete to put up against the one that we love uh i'll be able to answer that question more complete but you know what i'm saying like yeah you're not wrong are we already setting up the first two movies of each trilogy for not failure but like underwhelmingness because there's so much time in between and it's uh, like you know like let me put it this way even if they didn't kill the entire Rogue One team at the end of Rogue One, it really wouldn't have changed the fact that it was brilliant and self-contained and awesome on its own, right? Yeah, but the fact that they do kill them all is, is something to be said. Like, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think my emotions aren't complete on how I feel about these characters yet. Because sometimes, you know, when you see the, what they actually accomplished, you'll like them more of their complete body of work. Right. Because knowing, knowing that the trilogy is going to exist, there's a comfort there that you're, you're still learning the story versus you, you know the, the beginning and the end of each one of those characters' stories. So until I know well, – I was watching another show and uh, they killed somebody off and or it appears they killed somebody off. And I'm just like, why would they do that? I don't 
I don't get why that that character just shot that character. Um, and you know, it just, so right now I'm starting to hate aspects of this show. You know, it's kind of the same thing in a trilogy. Like they could, they could make it better. They could ruin it based on how they choose to, to end it and move on. So, and I think that's what you need. You need how they tie this bow up at the end of it is important, but you're right. They got themselves in that situation by creating a trilogy in the first place. I guess what I'm saying is, unless you do the Lord of the Rings model, where you work five years and release the movie back to back to back in three years, I mean, let's be honest. Can we agree that other than the original Star Wars trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is by far the best? Yes. However, what they did with Harry Potter is incredible. But that's but not a trilogy. On. Oh, I know, I know. But yeah. they just kept going. That was exploiting yeah. children for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, they turned out fine. Although we did get Emma Watson. Child. God bless her. Yeah, he has owns an ice cream car or something in in London. I love he just sells Watson. ice cream. Now. That's part of why I love Beauty and the Beast. I totally bought her in that. But um, she is great. But what I'm saying is, let me put it this way, Simi. Even if you do a three movie project over five years, that is essentially a trilogy. Are we maybe doing a disservice by preparing people for this trilogy? Rather than being like, hey, we're going to maybe do two, three, four movies with this person, and we'll let you know, and whatever. Like, Right, and then continuing it. Like, why, why do we have to know that yeah. this is, like... Okay, so, know, do you remember... I get it. Do you remember, sure. do you remember that scene? I'm literally watching it right now. Do you remember that scene at the Emerald Rogue One where Jin's limping towards the, towards the um, thing to the radar dish? And I told you in the trailer there was a TIE fighter there, and they took it out, and they were just teasing people. Yeah. And not only did I say that I have no problem with it, but I want to be misdirected. Right, right. So when the, so the guy, Paul, that I interviewed, he works for Superhero News, and uh, the, the most well-known guy in Superhero News, his name is Mark Forbes, who's one of the senior entertainment writers of uh, Mark Hughes of Forbes Magazine, which you might have heard of that publication <clears throat> before. Um, Forbes magazine Money, sure yeah <laughs> um he's a great guy though and a super nerd you know loves marvel dc star wars he's like the go-to guy for that he had an amazing quote about how the what marvel's doing so well is that the directors and the and the writers and the and the actors are specifically letting slip false information every like couple months or so and mark hughes has a great quote i wish i had it in front of me where he he basically looks into the screen and he goes, I actively encourage directors to lie to the fans. <laughs> and I think the the movie watchers are split between people like you and me that are not only fine, but like are happy we get misdirected about stuff, so it's a surprise. And people who somehow feel like cheated and taken advantage of. My whole point is, if Disney announced a movie and then announced the sequel, and then announced the sequel, as opposed to announcing a trilogy, I would actually prefer that at this point, I think. Yeah, the seaweed's always greener in somebody else's lake. So, you know, I, I like what they're doing. I, I, Is I that a it. Little Mermaid oh, reference? Yeah, man. Damn! Disney. It's all Disney. Oh, my God. It's all Disney. My sister will be proud. <laughs> it, it, it's always going to look better, but... There, there is something because they're that's how their fr- the franchise was built and they are that's what they do so i think that has a lot to do with it that like we're gonna go ahead and make this trilogy the next great trilogy um and i think that's kind of the goal of the franchise but you know maybe they'll branch out and do something different you know and it might and it might not be a bad idea 
why don't we end on Disney and then we'll wrap up? Do you have any few sure. other thoughts about Star Wars news? No, I think we're I think we we're, we're good. I think we've done a good deal. I think we're thorough and thorough. So let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar making all the money and have by far all the best reviews across the board. So why do people still love to hate on Disney and do it all the time? I mean, you hate the giant, you know, and I think at some level people hate that, you know, it wasn't always Disney. It was it was Lucasfilms and then Disney bought them and people feel fear conglomerates of that measure and monopolies of that measure that you know, what are they putting in the water? What are they making me think, you know, that they're the media outlet and the, the fun outlet that I now consume the most. And, you know, I, I've always been a person who just understands that if people are going to come for me, they're going to come for me. And I think other people are always scared of it. You know, I think people are scared. I think it scares people that they're just, it's just one thing. So I think it's, it's rebellious and cool to be like, eh, bleh. but to me, it's just more toys, you know, like there, there haven't been toys in so, so long. And to me, it's more movies and more cartoons and, and more of something that I love. So I, I, I'm not being critical. And that, and I, you know, I started this podcast a little bit ago when we started by saying that the only fear is of, of being watered down and, and so far so good. Like, I don't feel we've hit that. Okay. So let, uh, you know what, here, here, let's, this will be a good way to end Simi. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a quick hit list of accusations against Disney, and you tell me whether they're fair, unfair, or in the middle. Got it. All their movies are cash grabs. Uh, in addition to the fact that they're just a corporation trying to make money, they're excessively cash grabs. You mean by cash grab mean that they're going to make a great movie that people would watch? Yeah, sure, they're cash grabs. But uh, <laughs> So no, I agree with you. certain yeah. audiences... Then, yeah, they're all cash grabs. Then you know what I do every day at work? I try to grab some fucking cash. <laughs> so what you're saying is we live in a capitalistic society where we need to support our family, so we should want to make money? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying How as dare far you? as, as, as long as we live you? in this society, I don't think they're paying us in you? Uh, you know, rubies mm-hmm. via internet. You know, like okay. We're not getting coins from Mario Land. Okay. Disney movies are overly manipulative of children. Yes, absolutely. And I have a goddaughter who's four and a half that I'm very close with. And she has three to five different, maybe even 10 different dresses that she wears. However, I do like. No, that's not what I mean. Sorry. Not not yeah. materialism because I'm not obviously they're going to make as much materialist stuff as possible. I mean, well, they have manip- they have manipulated her into wanting to be a princess. That's you know okay. what I mean. Like, I don't think she always thought of things like that but all of a sudden you know pink's her favorite color and she wants to be a princess and she didn't think of that on her own so yes so but my okay follow-up question though to that is do we think disney has done a better job with movies like moana in recent years uh, or even frozen of complicating that a little bit or even uh the new interpretation of beauty and the beast where Belle is the feminist and kind of fully empowered yeah, I think I think I think they're gonna roll with the times and 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 remain cool. I can't imagine that they're gonna do some, you know, non empowered woman. But they have uh, really made them take uh, the, the the driver's seat in a lot of the movers more movies more so than they have in the past. Usually, they were always kind of leaning, like Pocahontas is le- leaning on a John Smith, and he's still in it, and she's 
singing, but I mean, it's still about him too. Um, so as they, as they go on, I think they're doing more and more, like you said, kind of empowered uh, characters and, and, and that's what Star Wars is. So why, why wouldn't they create a more empowered characters of, of uh, more empowered female characters? So I hope they do and stick with it. And for all of Disney's flaws, I think they, they, they listen and I hope that they're going in the right direction with a lot of this stuff. So they, they do evolve. They have evolved. It's not just the princess waiting in the castle to be saved. There's also things like Brave, which I think is great. Yeah, and- I was going to say, like, if you look at the Disney animated movies, Pixar or otherwise in recent years, there aren't a lot straight up princess, story- princess stories. And even if you look back to the Golden Age... Uh, in the 90s, you made a Little Mermaid reference. I mean, Ariel... She's a princess. She is a princess, but Ar- right. Ariel is the one who makes the decision. She goes to against go the norm... To be a Norm's- princess somewhere else. Well, well... <laughs> what's wrong with that, though? I mean, no, you watch Game of Thrones, went, I mean... She went against the grain. But no, you're right. Moana's not a princess. Brave is not, Brave is kind of a princess. Uh, Moana, but Moana's the chief's daughter, you know... Uh, Princess E, but they're they're going away from they're they're trying to get away from the fact that she's okay. Like, so wait, hold, so let's let's tie princess. this in. Yeah, and yet one of the biggest reasons, other than people of color, that people idiots in the country have attacked Star Wars and Disney is because most of the bosses in Star Wars in recent years, from Ray to Jin to Rose to Paige to Leia to Holdo, they're all women. I mean. I think the the biggest complaint by idiots in Last Jedi that I actually can understand, I don't agree with, but I understand, is the fact that all the women are bosses and all the men are almost acting out of character with how hapless and dumb they are. That's oversimplification, but I can see where they're coming from. Again, going back to our comment, not with Luke, but our comments about Finn and Poe. Right, right. So are we getting mixed messages from Disney is A. B, are they specifically giving us different messages on purpose? Or C, are they just telling stories and so it's kind of all over the place? I think it's a little bit of B and C. I think they're telling stories all over the place and still trying to maintain a general theme. And sometimes, uh, sometimes they get caught overdoing it when they realize there's a spot where they could. So they just kind of, you know, overdo it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's just like, you know, the same, uh, you know, but look how cool they look. Can I just Take give you a list? Look, Can I give you a list? Yeah. I'm going to read backwards Pixar and Disney animated from 2017. And you tell me which of these fall into the heavily princess category. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coco, Cars 3, Moana, Finding Dory, Zootopia, Inside Out, Big Hero 6, Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, Brave, I'll stop there. Toy Story 3. That's the last 10 years. There's not a lot of princess. That's not bad. Inside Out is incredible, by the way. If anybody has kids and wants to watch an incredible movie, it's great. As you know, my favorite video game that I'm always trumpeting, Horizon Zero Dawn, stars a badass, red-headed, bow and arrow fighter uh, from a matriarchal tribe that's directly inspired from Brave. And that's one of the best-selling games. Horizon Zero Dawn is the best-selling ever game with a f- lead female protagonist. You can't choose a man. You have to play as the woman. It comes from Brave. I'm just not seeing a lot of the princessy stuff. I mean, I know you can go back to Snow White and, you know, 
uh, and, and that's tough. But even then, the fact that the leads of the old school Disney movies were almost always women. I mean, Aladdin was the first major male Disney character. I think that on itself is interesting. Mulan, by the way, which is going to be amazing with Donnie Yen and Jet Li coming on in a couple of years. Right. She's super great. empowered. She's super empowered from the 90s. That was my sister's. After she got older, she loved uh, Little Mermaid. And then when she got older, she loved Mulan. No, I, I don't think they're bad. I just think people fear, you know, the big bad gi- corporate giant. Yeah. But by the way, I, I'm not disagreeing with everything you're saying. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. No, it's a it's a good it's a good argument. They're all good arguments. And I think I think ultimately Disney is they're really good at what they do. I mean, I don't have kids and I can't wait to take them to Disneyland, you know? Like it's incredible. It's incredible how they create the, that that amount of fun. So, I also like that in Disney they let you bring your own food. You don't have to eat their food, which is pretty incredible in this day and age because everywhere you go, they force you to buy their concessions, but that's a big. You're already spending all that money on on trips. We all, you can bring a uh, you can bring wine in a uh, plastic bottle that no one will check. FYI, and you can bring your own sandwiches. So not bad. Other than Black Widow, I mean, let's be honest. Black Panther had more empowered major female characters than all of the other Marvel movies combined. Let's be honest. Yeah, they had like a really cool nerdy scientist and a uh, badass warrior. You know, two all the warriors, the Dora Milaje. Well, yeah, no, I was just gonna say not to mention the rest, but in terms of the main uh, two strong female characters. Oh, and I mean, the mom was all right. I didn't, I didn't love her. Angela Bassett, Um, and of course we had Forrest with a small but important role. I did not love. I did. I loved her. Her acting was fine. I just felt um, her character was very. I mean, they were supposed to be. She was the the Saw Gerrera of the movie. She was right. this older support character that should have had a much bigger role, but it just didn't happen. Right, but oh, the third character. There was three characters really. There was um, there, 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 his sergeant, his uh, his girlfriend, and yeah, Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o, who was the one who was telling T'Challa the entire time to reach out to the world, but it wasn't until Killmonger did his thing that he realized she's right. And sorry, am I being that person, but is that Walking Dead? Uh, Lupita Nyong'o won the Academy Award for um, 12 Years a Slave. No, who's, is, it wasn't one of the, the characters in The Walking Dead, isn't she? Um, um, I don't know. Uh, Guerrera. I hope what, I'm not. Uh, you may have to edit this if I'm being that. No, person. no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll deal. We'll deal with it later. The bottom line <laughs> is, though, what's, I'm saying what is interesting is is that Marvel has specifically been boys' movies, and that's why Infinity War is going to make two billion. And Last Jedi, only $1.3 billion because it's for the boys, and it's mostly boys being boys, let's be honest. And Black Panther way overperformed, not just at almost $1.4 billion worldwide, I don't even care about that, $700 million domestically, okay? Let that sink in. Mm-hmm. A movie about a bunch of Africans in a futurist society that other than the main character was dominated completely by women. Do you want to know which movies have made more money domestically than black panther i'm gonna name some movies and you tell me if it made more money domestically okay the avengers the original avengers no titanic no jurassic world yes nope nope okay the dark knight yes nope really oh i thought that made a star wars the force awakens avatar star wars and then black panther so 
And the, okay, I knew there was a Star Wars in there. But this is interesting. Uh, I, this is interesting. I am right. This she plays Michonne. Okay, I was not wrong. Let's be. Let's, she also plays Maz Kanata. Um, let's be interesting. Let, 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 let's be serious. The top gross, top grossing domestic movie by far was the reboot of the Star Wars franchise that people have been waiting thirty years for, and Avatar. So the only two movies domestically ever that have made more money than the Black Panther again. All black people in Africa with jokes about white pe- people being dumb and colonialists. It done in tasteful, <laughs> being done in tasteful and realistic ways, right? Let's be honest. What does she call him? Colonialist. He's like, shut up talking colonialist. Yeah. <laughs> colonialist. Um, are, are the reboot of Star Wars, which is predictable, and Avatar, which is inflated because that was the first big 3D movie, and so everybody wanted to see it in 3D, and so it made so much money, you know, and James Cameron just knows how to make money. But the fact that it'd be Titanic, Jurassic World, The Avengers, Last Jedi, and it's going to beat Infinity War, man. Infinity War has 100 more million to go domestically to reach Black Panther. That's what gives me the most hope, so to speak. Yeah. I liked Infinity War a lot, and um, oh yeah, let's end on I this. We never talked about this. Thoughts on Black Panther and/or Infinity War, and then we'll wrap up. I'm just, I, I, I just think it's interesting that they're gonna come out with these other movies uh, without solving Infinity Wars. Like, is that how it's gonna happen? There's only two. Ant Man and Wasp takes place before, before it, and Captain Marvel, which is the important one with Brie Larson. Do you know? Do you know what Captain Marvel is? Yeah, she she that's who uh uh spoiler alert uh Samuel sends the text to at the end. Yes. Yeah, but she's she's female Superman. I mean, she can fly right. in space and do everything. Right. But she right. starts as a fighter pilot, so she's like a total badass and, you know, earth-based as opposed to Superman who's an alien. But she's as powerful and I predicted years ago she was going to have to save the Avengers ass as you guys can check my state of the superhero podcast from May 2016. If you don't believe me, I did call this. I was thrilled to see that. That's going to take place in the 90s. And I believe what happens is they put her on ice like Cap basically. Um, and that's why she wasn't immediately available um, in, in this movie. Or or I, what I would like to see is that she's just on the other side of the galaxy saving everyone's asses and has to come save our asses. But that will be a prequel as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, another strong female character. So it's going to be awesome. No, I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought, again, for Disney being this creepy with killing everybody at the end, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. too late. Sorry. Fuck me whatever you're listening to it's this, made two billion dollars if you haven't seen it then it's your problem it's a lot of cheese fries that's a lot Can of cheese we, okay fries. i'm going to end on the doctor strange theory thing and then we're going to close out okay mm. so i told you if you remember to look and follow doctor strange uh right mm-hmm. during the movie mm-hmm. okay yeah it seems clear that he's fucked with the t- green time stone it seems clear that he has fucked with it and that's why the end is so bizarre where the time is cycling in weird ways and even Thanos looks surprised. So here's my question. Two-part question. What is Doctor Strange's plan, if he has one or if we can discern it? And when you have Loki with the blue, you have Vision with the yellow, uh, other characters with other stones. Peter Quill is connected to the purple. Is Doctor Strange the only one fucking with his particular stone, or and what's he doing with it? Yeah, I think he's the only one that really knows how knows how to harness his stone. The other ones were really just carriers, 
even Vision, you know, he, he even has a line that says, I, I don't know what this is. We don't we know Quill is some sort of a deity, but we, we don't or it comes from deity blood, but we yeah. don't really know what he is. You know, so they're all carriers. You know, even uh even uh Gamora, who who is probably the only one that's actually really dead because she that we was saw brutal. her really die. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I like her a lot. Although Simi, she's actually when in did the he stone. Start? She's in the stone now, so potentially someone else could take her place. But yeah. Right, because of the trade off that he makes with mm-hmm. uh with uh Redface. Uh so yeah. Yeah, he makes a trade with his daughter's mm-hmm. life and I think I, I think he's ultimately when when he starts turning the time stone is is going to determine like how this kind of goes backwards in time, the same way he did in uh in in the Doctor Strange movie. And I think that's kinda we're gonna see mm. him turn the time and we're gonna see these people kinda go backwards and then it's all kinda kinda end. Mm. But I think Captain Marvel is going to have to do something uh at some point to as well because she's she's obviously gonna play a role. I just wanna point out again as per the little girl Disney thing that from twenty sixteen until now we went from having Black Widow to having Black Widow, Ray, Jin Erso, all the women in The Last Jedi, Wonder Woman, and now Captain Marvel, I think is really cool. I think the times are changing, and I, I'm really glad. I think this probably, usually when things uh, try to correct themselves from mistakes made in history, they, they do overcorrect. Not that I'm saying this isn't overcorrect, but that is why we're seeing so many that are coming out at this time. And I hope it continues. Uh, mm. I, I hope these, these characters remain strong and have their own franchises. And I think that I hope it evolves from other into other movies that they'll see that, you know, women can, can hold their own superhero movie and that they're able to do uh, uh, create uh, the character better. And that if the character is stronger then they can hold it, the mm. second you, you keep making them weak and depend on some dude to do something. And you know, it really, Really, it really demotes everything. Yeah. And the person we really need to remember and thank for all this is Carrie Fisher, obviously. And Everybody pour some out. Yeah. A little bit for Carrie Fisher. I mean, do <clears throat> you remember in their commentary at the beginning, I said, growing up between my mom and Carrie Fisher, I never thought women couldn't be as good as men. Yeah. I sent her that. Yeah. She doesn't have time to listen to my podcast. I sent her that sound clip for Mother's Day, and she was like bawling. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Yeah. Well, also, dude, I'd forgotten I'd done... I did a lot of short, quick podcasts after Rogue One came out, and I did one up after I saw it with my mom, where I, I talked about you know how much she loved it, and we were sort of crying together, and we loved Jin so much, and I sent her that, too. So, it was a lot, it was a lot of mama crying on, on a Mother's Day. So, I think I did well as a son. <laughs> That's great, man. That's really great. All right, dude. Well, enjoy the movie. Uh, so again, guys, this will be dropping. This will be dropping either Wednesday the twenty third, the day before the release, or at latest Thursday the twenty uh, fourth, but before you know premiere time on the East Coast here. Again, I'm going uh, Friday and Saturday. Simi's going on Sunday. So Simi, hopefully, whether it's Sunday night or at some point Monday. Hopefully by a week from today, Tuesday, May the 29th, we'll have our, at least our initial quick reactions to Han Solo. Is that is that a fair thing to hope for? Yeah, I think we should just shoot for the Monday if we can get the Sunday in, you mm-hmm. know, all the all the merrier. Mm-hmm. All the merrier. All right, I'm people. Real well, 
As I always say, force is strong. Rebellions are built on hope. Save the rebellion. Save the dream. And Simi, give it. <laughs> Thank you, Simi. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. We'll be coming to you soon. And to quote uh, Donald Glover as uh, Lando, better buckle up, baby. <laughs> Bizzlecast out.